Hey, it's Erin Anderson from Live Big Co. And you're listening to the Power to Be podcast. This week, I get to coach someone as they navigate an area of their life that's stuck toward an insight that will give them personal power. My hope is that you'll listen for an insight for yourself along the way. Let's find out what this week's guest has the power to be. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Where do we yeah, begin? All right. <laughs> Welcome, Matt. So um, I love that you and I just spend a few minutes just preparing. We we each lit a candle. You have your apple spice tea, and I've got my licorice tea, and I've given you some some uh, you know background about that I'm in an open closet, <laughs> and you're you know wherever in the world you are. And one of the things I so appreciate about this um, this podcast journey for me is that I get to have these conversations with people I've never met. So you and I have never met. I don't know you. Um, you you and I share a common friend uh, who recommended you for this experience, and we had a brief chat, and you were like, "Sure, I'll do it." So you're my kind of guy, just going to say right away, you're the kind of guy that uh, I just know is willing to go into the unknown, which is really what this podcast is all about. So what um, I, what we will do to begin, um, knowing that just we don't know each other, we have no common footing, but what this, um, this experience has been for me is about hearing people's stories, offering some insight. Um, perhaps even offering some perspective uh, along the way. And so what people haven't been talking about are the things that are already rocking. People have been talking about things that um, that are either crunchy or stuck or a little glitchy. Um, and so, yeah, so maybe when you begin with, uh, with that, tell me what's an area in your life you're hoping to expand? um, I think one that's showing up for me right now is understanding internal motivation and what it means to be internally motivated because I'm just at this, it feels like a a juncture or turning or learning point in my life where I recognize the external things that have been driving me, whether it's um, uh, jobs, titles, um, especially the the income earned has uh, mm. has been a big piece of what I've looked at as as being part of my success and and I think right now showing up on this call is like I've I've been aware of these things for the last couple of years and I'm trying to figure out how to actually move forward through it to redefine it and and take take what I acknowledge and 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 find a different way see a different way and believe in a different way and 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 just like where where did these this external validation and need to please others. Uh, where did that come from? So mm. that's kind of kind of what um, is showing up for me today. Is just like, yeah, what does it mean to be internally motivated and and going through some of the the fears of am I internally motivated? And yeah, sinking into that. Oh, good one. So um, you've bookended your perspective perfectly by identifying that there's something new for you around the corner. So you know that there's something new for you that you haven't maybe yet seen or identified. Maybe I, I have a, a feeling that you, maybe you have, but, and then you're noticing that there's something that's drive that's been driving you from the past. So this mm-hmm. external motivation and you, you said, you mentioned that I don't know where it came from. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a curiosity around that. So, you know, um, one of the things that I love about, well, I'm going to, I'm going to call it coaching. 
It has also mm-hmm. been known as leadership. Um, so one of the things I appreciate about these styles of conversation is that we can reflect on the past, but not dwell there. So not go in and nurture the wounds, but just identify, oh, it wasn't my voice. It was my dad's or it wasn't my internal motivation. It was someone else's view of the way my life should be. So we can very effortlessly sort of dip back into the past just for enough context to be able to either clear or be grateful for or identify like that and then move toward um, the, the, your vision for your future. And then the thing that I'm I'm sensing in you, Matt, is that you just don't have a big enough mission right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You feel like that? Like there isn't it, something it, to leave yeah, out of bed? It de- it, no, it definitely feels that way right now uh, where I have in the past. And, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to understand what was it was that even true in the past, what I experienced because um, I've definitely been passionate and, and driven towards a particular vision and mission. And then. I think I've, I've experienced uh, the ups and downs and the attachment and the pain that that can cause internally and, and with those around me too. So let me just see if I understand stand that. So is it that you got passionate about something, like you mm-hmm. had a, a big, powerful mission, you mm-hmm. got passionate about something, you worked your ass off, and mm-hmm. then some? what happened that created an attachment? Was it that money came in? Yeah, definitely. Money, um, money yeah i think so i think money was a big one uh, money and then this need to feel validated with um a couple people in my life that uh, and i and i kind of parked the mission and, mm-hmm. and 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 the power of the goals that went with it right so it almost see here here's what i would hate it if you left this conversation with money equals loss of passion you know mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's not my goal I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm all about money, bring the money. Mm -hmm. And yet if, if money becomes like, I I, I sense that money became the the driver and the mission took a backseat. Is that, is that what it feels like? Yeah. Yeah. It would, I think it's money would supersede the mission. I think that's what I've experienced is that losing, yeah, losing myself in in the money and, and not letting it fuel the journey further Mm. and just, and just let it fuel my ego in momentarily to kind of the uh my younger lesser version of self in a sense yeah well you know our, our ego's a bit of an asshole right so so that we gotta gotta work against and with <laughs> the ego i mean your ego really just wants you to be safe and sometimes it can be it can come at a bit at a cost right so the ego wants to keep you safe and it tells you all kinds of lies to keep you there so it can be um, it can be a really difficult thing to discern what's your ego's voice versus what's your spirit's voice. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the the junction between the external and the internal, is that a bit of the rift that you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you? What does your spirit say? Like, if, if you were to sort of tap into it right now, what what's your spirit calling for? I think serving serving people um my yeah my spirit i think just naturally wants to to serve others help others and it feels a real sense of calm and and purpose when when i'm in service to another person in helping them along their journey or helping them with their their family situation um yeah it's a a real yearning to to serve others Mm -hmm. when you were about nine years old 
Did you feel, do you have that similar resonance, that same thought, but it sounded like a nine-year-old boy's version? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so you've always been yeah. this way? Yeah. Yeah. No, with the, uh, I think it started with community service and volunteering that, uh, and just seeing that in, in my family unit, that, that, that was a thing. And when I would do that, it, I, I never feel better about myself other than those moments when, when I'm in direct service and contribution to others. When you were a kid, so what did you do um, then? Like, tell me, tell me yeah, what that was like. Yeah, no, it started out as <laughs> altar serving as a, I think being seven or eight years old, seeing my older sister, um, she was an altar server in the Catholic church. And so I followed her into that. And then there was school events, church events. Um, and then as soon as I, I made my way to high school, it was, I could be on the um, student council, um, then was voted as into being the student council president in high school. And and then right through college, it was um, I was taking full-time courses, working full-time hours, and then also volunteering 30, 40 hours a week with um, a nonprofit student-led organization I was with. And that was such um, a powerful experience in my life where we would run projects, community projects in, in service of the community, whether it was financial literacy, um, programs to support the food bank, um, teaching uh, young kids about personal budgeting and entrepreneurial programs to start their own businesses at um that just brought me pure joy and made me feel connected and in a sense of giving back with um, the good fortune that I've had in, in my life. Mm. Yeah. Like wonderful parents, right. And wonderful family that, that really puts you in the way of service at a young yeah. age. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, when you, uh, so we, as you told me the story um, about beginning as an, a, an altar service and then church events and then student council and then into the community and working with youth, all of those things you, you so effort, they just spilled off your tongue so effortlessly and I could feel the joy and I could mm -hmm. feel the, um, I could probably feel you smile and you, you light up. And so mm -hmm. as you talked about these things, they were playing in your mind. I'm, I'm just curious with any of these, were you ever paid? No, no, it was all just, it was what I think the expectation that I've had on myself where it's, it's like do, do life and always find time to give back and, no, never paid with any of that. Okay. And um, I'm, I'm looking for the pinch. So mm -hmm. at the beginning, so you talked a little bit about this internal, external, the motivation. We sort of identified money and ego, like all that mm -hmm. you know, good stuff. Yeah. So um, it, 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 it's becoming clear then that the things that have made you so happy and fulfilled in your life don't involve money. So has there ever been a time in your life when you've had a job that has sustained deep fulfillment the way your church service and community service has? I think the, no, mm -hmm. I, I think point blank. No, there's, yeah. there's, I have great moments. Um, I thoroughly enjoy coaching and leading teams and, and doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one work when, um, working with, with team members who, who want to dive in and dig deeper into their, their personal lives and their soft skills, hard skills. And uh, that brings me a tremendous amount of joy, but the, the overall purpose of my work has, um, I think been maybe a little misguided or, or misunderstood in myself. Right. So the thing you're hired for mm -hmm. isn't the thing you want to do. That's probably a fair way of putting it. <laughs> Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, I don't think I've 
I don't think I've understood that the, the, the work that's brought me such great joy has been through, through volunteering. So I've, I've always had this idea that I can't be paid to do the work that I, that, that just brings me pure joy. Yeah. And, um, do you think you got that message all on your own? No, no, definitely. There is a uh, other contributing factors that uh, might might definitely led by myself, but uh, other people, my dad and and mentors that I've uh, looked up to along the way, I think have knowingly or unknowingly leaned into some of those the the messaging that brought me to this call. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I, I I love my mom so much, and and bless her, and I, I adore her more than anything. And she would give me all kinds of messages that you know, that, that, that came very honestly by her and the life that she led. And many of the messages that I was given by my, my mom, many of them were out of fear and wanting mm-hmm. me to be safe. So I would get really funny, like mixed signals, like have a marketable skill, but stay home and take care of your children. So mm-hmm. I'd get this like, ah, I wouldn't be able to figure out where I was ever going to um, find success. And so for me, what, what those, some of those dualistic messages that I got as a kid they kind of, um, they wore me down a bit on some level. And uh, I think I just got, I got kind of complacent mm-hmm. and, um, and I became a bit of a generalist and I came a bit like flat. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because now the idea of the notion of complacency will send me into a tizzy. Like that's actually complacency and apathy are a source of deep passion for me. Mm-hmm. So our, our strengths and the things that take the things that rather that take us out and our strengths are very close by. So the thing that will motivate you and you're passionate about is very, has a tendency to be very close to the very thing that break, brings you, like breaks your heart, just mm-hmm. breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. So um, these messages that, yeah, that you got from mentors and your dad and and maybe even from the church community or the community that you love more than anything. Yeah. Those, sometimes those messages can break your heart, but I promise you that it wasn't led by you you may have been in the environment of it. You've been exposed to it. Like you got sunburned, you were out in the sun a little too long, but it was, if you were to go back and tell your nine-year-old self, you know, like stop thinking that way, you know, your nine-year-old self doesn't know any different. Mm-hmm. So some, somewhere, what, what does the message sound like? I just be curious what to hear what the narrative sounds like for you. Of, of which message? Oh, well, sorry. Of the, of the like fulfillment and work and money that, that chestnut. Uh, of of the life that I have now, or the no, no, the, the message you, yeah, the message you got from your dad, like, like, oh, innocent, oh, okay, innocent, yeah, yeah, innocent. no, totally, yeah, totally. The, um, yeah, the the message from my dad was, um, be like, be a professional, be a senior leader in a company, be respected, and be powerful in in what you do, and in order, and when you do those things, I will love you and give you feed. Yeah. Give you love when, when these things are met. It was a bit conditional. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and so, um, you got started getting those messages when you were quite young. Is that right? Yeah. I think in my mid teens, 16 to 16 ish. And when did you start, how old were you when you started um, volunteering at the altar service? Oh, I must've been about, I think about seven or eight years old. So when you go back to that age, seven or eight years old and volunteering at the altar, do you remember what the message was then? 
always contribute to community, uh, be part of something. And we're, we're proud. And my parents loved me and my dad loved me for, for what I could offer and for the, the work that I put into it. You, you basically just needed to show up. Yeah. 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 So somewhere along the line, as you became a young man, the just show up and I love you and contribute to, to society and to the community. And I, I, it felt, feels like to me, like intuitively feels like there's a, um, there was like an underlying knowing that when you give, you receive, mm-hmm. that, that was just something that you were in. Mm-hmm. And so somewhere along the line, as you became a young man, you got a stronger message was be powerful, be respected, be a leader, and then I'll love you. Mm-hmm. So what, yeah. what do you think happened along the line? Like maybe what even happened with your dad? Did he lose his job or like, did something happen there? Yeah, no, I think, um, I spent some time trying to unpack this with, uh, with my wife and actually we're, we're driving back uh, to Vancouver this morning for four hours talking about it. Um, I think, I think a couple things happened there is, um, I think growing up in a household that, um, had a real, um, avoidance or fear of fear itself, um, mm. was something that I experienced. My, um, my dad lost his leg when he was 16 years old. And so I, I grew up with, with a dad who's, who's been an amputee. And that was, um, that was a one point of, I think, embarrassment or shame that I felt growing up. Cause, uh, when I was six and seven years old, that, um, all the other dads were coming to soccer, kicking balls around with us. And my dad, was able to drop me off. And then I think out of his own guilt and shame, maybe he, he would leave right away, never would stick around for it. Um, and, and I think another point and experience for me was growing up in a, in a pretty Caucasian town that um, I'm half Chinese, Ukraine, Ukrainian and, and Irish, but um, visibly my, my Asian side shows very dominantly. Um, and so I think there was um, there's a couple of moments of experiencing that I was different at a younger age, and I can remember being seven years old and and it being pointed out to me that I am I look different than all of my classmates, and and there was this this feeling of of sticking out and being put on the spot and and being powerless for that. Um, and so I think at a at a young age, it became very much about trying to protect myself and my sense of identity and, and belonging. So I could show up in a powerful way. And, and, and I think that 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 just ties into the, my, my later years in life of when I was 16 and and getting um, into young adulthood was, was very much about how do I retain a sense of power? And, and I think what, what I learned and I taught myself during that time was that, I could have power over other people and, and, and it was, it was almost like leading with this, um, which, which kind of goes against so much of what I believe in and supporting and helping others and creating safe spaces and, and, and all that, where it's like, a, because of my own insecurity of, of self that I've, I've shown up in, in probably a threatening way to people at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You identified it so, um, so, <laughs> I can use your word, but like powerfully that the sense of fear of fear, the fear of fear, um, the understanding of powerlessness and then the power over. So if you, it, you would rather have power over someone than ever feel powerless. Yeah, that's yeah. A hundred percent. But, um, I think that's been a, my journey for the last, 
up until the last year where that's that was brought to my attention about having power over versus power of self and and i think part of this on this call today like what i want to explore is just like what does power of self mean in motivation because i know how to build my life and how to at the age of seven and eight i was i was so attached to buying brand name clothes and like <laughs> it was ridiculous mm. looking at the photos of uh, a seven-year-old wearing a nike hat nike t-shirt nike shoes nike sweatpants because to me that that meant cool and and it was but it was my protective armor yeah, and safety sure yeah it was my safety of not being teased and not and in the fear of being of, of racism and and yeah. the, the couple times where i did experience racism it was just this complete utter powerless and and gutted sense of self so well it's so foreign to you i mean you're you love the church you love community you love your family you're like wait a minute how is this happening right yeah must have felt so foreign to you yeah yeah no it um it, it was it was terrifying yeah but listen i adore this little seven-year-old matthew i think he's the the sweetest guy i mean goodness he's got he's got his kicks and his little baseball cap and he's rocking it like you did your thing you did what you knew to do so harmless and so uh intentional like there's there's really something to appreciate about your your instinct really i mean for some it might it might seem like posturing but for you it was it was about something a lot more than that it was it was about fitting in like in a really like a really deep profound way it was about belonging more than Mm -hmm. anything yeah yeah, um, yeah, which has surprised me that um, when to because the the word to just to say the words that I it's important to me for me to belong or to to feel I need to belong. It um, I feel incredibly vulnerable saying that because it uh, I think I've car- I've carved a path over the last number of years at uh, creating my own independent ways and being an incredibly independent person because the fear of needing to say I belong just was, it felt too, I felt so weak saying that. That's right. So you build your armor. This is a lot of, we're, we're using a lot of Brene Brown's language here, you know, that there's a building of the armor of, you know, having enough um, money and having enough status and having enough security that you don't need anyone. That like, that's true vulnerability is when you actually need someone where you have to throw your hands in the air and say, help. Mm-hmm. And um, what's interesting is, it, well, t- tell me just a little bit more about your faith. What what is your what is your relationship to God and to your faith now? Now it is. Um, I'm more. I believe in. I believe in people. I believe in in love and people. Um, I've, I'm no longer a practicing Catholic. It um, the I, I set that aside about uh, ten years ago. Um, and I've gone down the path of um, mostly Bo- like Buddhist type practices um, mm. and Vipassana. Um, so just the impermanence of everything, understanding that all things will come to an end and being present, enjoying the moment as it is now. Is that not the most uh, courageous thing you've ever done? Oh, definitely. Right up there. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Top, top three, probably uh, toughest life experiences or deepest uh feelings and sensations of uh letting go of the uh the identity and thought of of god being within me or in this universe Mm. and so 
if if I say the word God, what do you think? What where where do you go? I think love. I think mm. the and I think that ties to the like the the volunteering and the there's there's good in everyone and wanting to support and build community that um yeah, I just I just see it as love and in, in, in all in all people and beings. Yeah. And that is within you. Mm-hmm. Always within you, always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the beginning of this call, you said you mentioned about internal versus external motivation is your primary source of pinch or of um, your your current suffering. Mm-hmm. And um, if I may just reflect for a moment, some of the things that I, I heard you talk about, which I, um, first of all, just really... I'm in awe of your, your grounded approach. You've obviously thought, you know, a lot. I love that, you, that you've unpacked these things, that you've looked and identified, ooh, what's under that? Hmm, what's under there? And you've identified a few really interesting, um, a, a really interesting highlight reel around your life, around your, your love of volunteering, of giving your time and giving your energy and love and service to help the betterment of the world. So you've got this real altruistic nature about you. And then you've also identified that having that sense of fulfillment has never been um, uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Intertwined with also financial um, abundance. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, you may know this from the scriptures, but you know, God wants you to have lavish riches, like not just, you know, pittance, but to have be, you know, have live in lavish abundance and lavish wealth and lavish wealth, meaning the wealth of wealth of love, the wealth of recognition, the wealth of fresh air, the wealth of, you know, hugs and love and the wealth of money too. Mm-hmm. So having the wealth, a, a whole, holistic, whole and complete wealth is, is really, um, is a spiritual quest. And so what I wouldn't want to have happen for you is for you to be happy and poor or unhappy and rich. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I've seen them as binary options. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Either or. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, this theme comes up a lot with people that I talk, talk to is the either or ness, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, Either I'm this or I'm that. Either you're this or you're that. There's a lot of that that um, turning of the hand, back of the hand, front of the hand. Mm-hmm. And so um, what that does, though, is it limits our view. It, it, we're only looking at the either or, and we're, we're forgetting, for instance, if I'm just looking at the front and the back of my hand for either and or, I'm really missing out the fact that I've got an arm and a body and legs and a brain and a heart. I'm missing mm-hmm. the whole bigger picture. And so that could be what's happening with you. You've been, you've been quite um, trained to focus actually, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So your ability to focus might be overpowering your ability to have perception. Mm, So one of the words I I love, um, uh, my teacher, Suzanne Conrad helped me redefine the word ambition so if you look at the word ambition, it can be like that laser focus, that laser beam, so pure, so straight, so zzz, that it almost hurts because mm-hmm. it's so focused. Have you, you've been like that, haven't oh, you? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can feel it. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> that, that has actually been a real strong suit for you, Matt. Like that's something that you've really, you know, experienced tremendous success with 
that laser focus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also harmed you and maybe others somewhere along the line. Yes, definitely. I see that. <laughs> sure. And, but it would, it would be a disservice for me to say, okay, Matt, put the focus down, stop focusing, stop it with that. Like, you'd be like, no, I, I like, I'm going to be living under a bridge if I don't do that. Yeah. So you, you need to be able to keep that ability to focus. But here's something that, that I got from ambitious is the root of the word of ambition is ambient. Okay. If you look around your room now, at the light that's in your room now, mm-hmm. there's an ambient light in the room, yeah? Mm-hmm. Very different than a laser beam. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, there's, so there's that feeling of a whole, whole room, whole light, whole life. Many, many different shades of light. Mm-hmm. And it starts to open... I, I, I sense that this might be why you love meditation. For the, well, because the laser focus gives me perception. <laughs> it opens well, the sure. light. <laughs> but you can't stay laser focused in meditation. This is, uh, no, that's, no, it's true. That's true. I once asked a, a, a friend, he went to a Vipassana and uh, we were talking about meditation in general and, and uh, to a bunch of people who were newer to meditation and they were all saying, but it, but it's uncomfortable and, but it sucks and, but it's really hard and, but my back hurts. And, and so uh, I, when I was chatting with him, I said, Hey, would you mind sharing with everyone here, you know, in this group of your 10 days of Vipassana, how many, how much of that time was pure bliss? And he said, mm-hmm one hour. <laughs> if that, yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, that is your ability to be able to be in the ambientness of, of the room, the dark, the shadow, the, the, um, murky, the super bright, like th- that's, that's ambition. It's, it's everywhere. It's many, many shades. It's not one thing. And, and you, w- w- you know, God bless your father. He gave you very strong directive on how to be focused. And that was be powerful, be respected, be a leader, focus, be powerful, be respected, be a leader. That was your mantra. Hello, off you go. Mm-hmm. So that's a tricky one to, for, you know, marching orders as a 16 year old, like doesn't a 16 year old need to kind of like fail a bit and flail a bit and mess up and kind of lose the respect of people so that you understand what that feels like and then gain it back and follow a bit and then lead a bit. Yeah. And, and I think that that's definitely been the path is uh, take two steps, two steps forward, one step back. It's uh, again and again, it's uh, I think just holding the, the, um, the expectations of, of my father and then creating and holding the expectations of myself um yeah in in the same way has definitely uh there i think there's 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 probably there's got to be more helpful ways to do it than uh i think some of the the ways that i've approached it um i i suspect that you're not a blamer are you on myself yeah 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 no (laughs) i don't i don't i know yeah i totally yeah no i don't point the finger at other people uh, i'm actually very (laughs) usually compassionate or understanding of their circumstance, but uh, I'll point it towards myself as to why mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. Or, I, yeah. You need to know. Yeah. You've taken over responsibility. Yeah. That's uh, I haven't heard that 
one before over responsibility over responsibility Mm -hmm. like carrying more than is for you to carry yeah i can see that and it uh it paired with it uh it's hard for me to to make asks and assert for for help or assert what i what my needs are what's important to me so yeah kind of compounds with that oh your your wife is going to phone me later and say thank you <laughs> it's nice when when other people can help you mm-hmm. it feels good yeah it's it's like you've overworked a muscle one muscle is very very strong and the other one not so strong yeah See, because one of the things that, um, yeah, I mean, for sure with compassion, but you get to see, you know, um, dear dad, I, I love you so much and you, um, your fear. So w- one way to look at this is that it was his fear that was speaking to you, not him. Yeah. Is your dad still with us? Yeah, he is. Yeah. No, just saw him yeah. this morning. How's your re- oh, you saw him this morning. Okay. How's yeah. your relationship with him? Uh great like great for the most part except except um i'm challenged to accept him for who he is in these uh especially i think when the fear shows up in a really strong way that um i have a a knee-jerk reaction to over like to correct the fear and to try rather than empathize and accept it that um yeah but but great for the most part you'll take it on you'll you'll take on the you'd, you'd rather like Okay, I got it. I got it, Dad. I got it. I pick up that one. You're sort of running after him, picking up all his fear and holding on to it. Yeah, yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And meanwhile, it's not even your dad's fear. He was 16 when he lost his leg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How? Um, how do you believe his parents handled that? Oh, I think at the, the best of times they were awful communicators um, and lived in, in fear themselves um, a great a great deal of it. Um, so it was probably just shove those feelings down and grin and bear it kind of thing and move push on, move ahead, don't acknowledge the feelings and, and the fear within him. So... Yeah, and that that can lead to a lot of dis-ease, right? A lot of dis disease, mm-hmm. and sometimes um, were his parents um, big p- parts of the church? Was were, were is that where that came from? Uh, yeah, bo- on both sides, both um, on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Both my mom and dad. Except my parents both had um, to- completely opposite experiences. Where my mom grew up in Fiji, and hers was a delightful experience um, oh. playing playing at the church and being raised by one of the uh her godmother who was a nun and my dad was beaten by nuns and yeah and the punitive kind, of, kind yeah had that experience i got smacked hard by a nun oh yeah I, oh yeah <laughs> the black robe was just like mm. yeah fear walking towards me i i would just yeah I would try to get as small as I possibly could. So it's not exactly an expansive experience. I, mm-hmm. I can, uh, I can relate, uh, except that your dad was, um, was immersed in a family culture that didn't communicate and didn't process emotions. And he went through major trauma. So where does all that emotion and trauma go? 
And so if it gets squished down, squashed down within him, then he goes into a punitive style, you know, um, religion, organized religion. It, you know, goodness. I mean, I get why you have so much compassion for him for sure. I do too. So it, it has to come out some, some way though. And it has a tendency to come out sideways. So your dad's, let's just do it like this for, for fun. This is a way for you to not take on over responsibility for your dad. But if you were to name his fear, um, what does it, what, what does it look like? Like, um, we just, we just know that it's not him. So the man that's underneath his fear is love, pure love Mm -hmm. all day long. And yet the time when he's not him in that pure love way, who does he become? And if you were to create a bit of a character around it, does he become like a military general or does he become like an iron chef? Like what, what does he become? He becomes, uh, I think a scared, uh, like a scared patriarchy. Yeah. (laughs) Like, the cla- all the the classic elements of that. Do you have so, a sister? I do. Yep. How and and so how does it sound around her? How, how does what sound around her? How, how does his fear sound around her? Is it you know find a good man to marry? Like does it sound classical like that? Oh yeah, definitely. Yep. So right. So with you, you're you're the son. Are you older than your sister? No, I'm, I'm the youngest. Uh, okay, there's and how many are there of you? There are six of us in total. Wow! Yeah, and you're the baby. I oh, am I love the babies. baby. Yeah, I'm the yep. baby too. I like babies. <laughs> right. So you, um, gosh, and of six. Yeah. So did he have like a standard message for all of you guys, or did he customize his messages for each of you? No, I think it was it was standard. It was, and I, I know that's caused challenges with i think with other siblings because it yeah it um when it works i think it works for me in in many ways because i i do go after the the business and the the leadership and 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 that's not for not for everyone and i think that uh, it's been challenging in some lights mm-hmm. yet there's still something so there's still something with you Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I'm fascinated. So I'm really fascinated because I, I'm, I'm going to circle back a little bit here. So your dad was 16 years old when he lost his leg, and yeah. right around the same age that you were, he really switched his narrative, his his message to you. It used to be, "You show up, my sweet boy, and you you can't help but be of service, and I love you." Mm-hmm. To be powerful, be respected, be a leader. So mm-hmm. he, there's mm-hmm. something that switched in him right around the same age that he was when he lost his leg. So it could, it, there, it feels like there was a real loss. Do you experience your dad as sad ever or more angry? I think, yeah, more angry, frustrated. Angry, frustrated. Yeah. So yeah, there was something that was obviously who lost his leg. Mm-hmm. But as you've seen in the world, there's lots of people who've been, you know, have, have had an amputation, but then flourished, then actually yeah. had an even better life. Yeah, no, true. So what do you think that he actually lost when he lost his leg, if you were to guess? 
Well, I think he lost his sense of power. Mm. Yeah. And he was 16. Yeah. Yeah, I think because he was a uh, he was an outdoor super active hunter fisherman, and I think that he did all that stuff afterwards. But I think it came with limitations. Like he couldn't go as far. He couldn't go into the the crazy area that he would go to when he was younger with his friends. And yeah, and and I think also that was when when he did lose his like he he kind of left home at the same time because um, he was in rehab for so long and. Um, tried going back to high school and, and just couldn't and, and then end up ended up not finishing high school as a result. Mm. Do you think he lost the respect of his father? Maybe like I, I, I could see how that. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Like the, you're not as tough as you once were or strong as you once were. Yeah. What young boys should be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, so much compassion and love for, you know, uh, our parents and the the generations that have come before us and the lessons that they were taught over and over again. And that, yeah, I have a, I have a hunch that that was the thing that he lost, that he, he would trade another leg to get back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he experienced that, and that's probably the thing that he wanted to protect you from. Mm-hmm. Be powerful, be respected, be a leader. Yeah. Like, I can imagine you as a young boy saying, who says? Like, who says that that's the way that life, you know, that life has to be? Oh, you say, Dad. Okay, I I love and respect you, so that's what I'll do. Mm -hmm. And then something in you, well, there's an interesting piece around this embarrassment, embarrassment around um, him and and his, his own sense of embarrassment and shame Mm -hmm. it's very that's very shadowy sort of stuff um yeah it it, it works in sort of shadowy ways it's not so overt it's not so black and white yeah yeah the lurks yeah this is um i think this is kind of showing it you're right like it does kind of show up in in the i like that word shadowy kind of way because the i think going back to my college days where I was working on very, I was very much into environmental um, protection and, and figuring out how does, how do you, how do you look at the three P's of business? Like the, the per, like the profit purpose, planet um, people and, and all that where his, I think his hard line and defense on that is, has always been about, well, what about the money? And because at the money mm. there, there's power in the money. And if we look at these other things, there's, that he may not know it, it's scary because that means having to learn something new and ask questions. And, and, and I think maybe that's why, cause you're right. Like as, as a boy, I would say, well, what about this? And what about that? And, and then his argument is always back. What about the money? And I think you're right. That does come from a place of he, all he's trying to do is protect me in those moments. It's not actually about trying to have an argument over at the dinner table about um, environmental policy. It's about him just trying to protect me as his son. And yeah, my well-being yeah yeah and money's measurable mm-hmm. money is is seen it's um it's not conceptual there's there's a number to it and yet i believe i my hunches that you and i both know that money is a tool and primarily money is an illusion mm-hmm. 
I, mm-hmm. we don't really own the money we have. Yeah. And you know, whatever property we own, you know, if you own a house or a car, well actually your car and your house own you. Yeah. You, you're yeah. a slave to that. Yeah. So what does money get? You know, yeah. again, I'm, I'm a fan of money, mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, we, you and I, you have got, grown so much and learned so much and you have such wisdom that you know that it's a tool, but yeah, to see it from that perspective that your dad just really wanted you to be safe with a tool that you know, can't keep you safe. Y- you want your planet to keep you safe. You want to protect your planet. Mm-hmm. So, sh- but showing him any other option would just fuel that fear in him, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I can see that conversation going nowhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It starts and ends in the same place. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's always the fear, and I and I um, I really appreciate you saying like it's a fear of the fear, like it's it's a fear that feeds itself. Yeah. And it's, and you're sort of looking at it, like, how do I get out of this loop? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I just, I see it where in, in myself, it's uh, it's so ingrained in, in me just having grown up around it and probably I'm sure there's some biology there where it's passed down too, but um, yeah, I actively see it and want to step out of it. Gotcha. But here's the thing. You can step out of it the minute you recognize that it's not you. I hear the words. I don't understand what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I just went like, boing. Yeah. I know, I could hear you hearing the words, but you, um, there's, there's a, a deeper fear. Hang on. Let me just go get it. There's a deeper fear around you accepting that this see i think that it's your connection to your dad this fear without it what would your relationship be based on would he notice you would you belong in your family like without the fear mhm particularly about money it's like become part of the culture mhm and his his role in the culture is making sure that the kids are protected. He's the boss. He's the leader. Yeah, he's a yeah. He's a leader, and that's and, right. And and won't show any signs of him. Like he won't open up and be vulnerable. And it's just like that very nineteen eighties leader. Sure. Like the, yeah. Because yes. that's the environment he was raised in and and, and grew yes. from. And so, like, I have no like don't hold on but go look there go look there the environment that he was raised in he Mm -hmm. lost his leg at 16 there was no open communication there was a lot of squashing down of emotions and and it was it led to this culture way of operating modus operandi about you don't talk about your feelings and you like go get a good job make money protect your family like there there was real um marching orders Mm -hmm. so is that him or is that the environment he was grown up in? Oh, that's the environment. Yeah. It's not who he is, right? Yeah. So therefore, therefore, it's not who you are either. Okay. <laughs> the grip is tight, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you're, no, no, you're right. Like, it, I, like, I think the, like the part where 
like I'm, the light bulb feels like that's the culture that is the culture in which my family operates that's right yeah and culture is just is simply a flame and a flame can be extinguished and relit you can redefine you know this from business you can redefine culture anywhere you go mhm yeah just by what changing the belief system mhm so if you're you, my friend, do you have children? Uh, a little one on the way, 11 months. Awesome. Or 11 weeks, sorry. Wow. <laughs> 11 weeks? Whoa, yep. that's fresh. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Thank Best you. wishes on that. Thank you. So you're a little babe. You're mm-hmm. a little miracle that's yeah. on the way. Yeah. Like, this is good timing, my friend. This yeah. is good timing. Because you want to create the, the culture of your family, your, your immediate family, you, your wife, and this little being, this little miracle, mm-hmm. without being divisive of the culture that you grew up in. So you appreciate it, you learn from it, you grow from it, and you create your own culture. It works like this with businesses too, all the time. Yeah. So this, it's so important for you right now to get this, to understand this belief system that you're holding on to tightly. Like what I hear you say is it almost feels like you're saying it's all my fault, that it's always been me all along. It's my, it's mine. It's who I am. It's what I think it's my fault. Like you've taken over responsibility without really like going up to 26,000 feet and looking down from way, way up there and going, oh, I see the way the parts of this whole thing mm-hmm. are operating. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I see. No, that's true. Oh, that's that true. Sweet? Yeah. Yeah. And look at, there's my dad. I love, oh, hi, dad. I love him. Oh, wow. Look at the life that he grew up in and what he was surrounded by. And he didn't have the luxury, quote unquote, air quotes with my fingers, Mm -hmm. the luxury of contemplation, of uh, self-awareness, of um, vipassanas and, you know, meditation and, you know, understanding what his true power is. Mm -hmm. All he knows is that he lost his leg and he lost the respect of his father. That's all he knows. Mm-hmm. And is that yours? No. It's not. Just as, as much as it's not mine. Mm-hmm. I, and I think your dad's cool. Like, oh, he's, he's loving, great. Yeah. He's such a dude. Yeah. Like, he's the man. Yeah, no, he is. But his fear's not. His fear is... His fear is... um insidious is that the word i want to use it like kind of permeates all like like it yeah it really has an ability it's it's like a like an odorless gas Mm -hmm. and it's not yours to inhale and believe that it's yours to inhale trying to see that have you ever heard that analogy about the um about the elephants when the elephants in india when they were little when they were little baby elephants they'd be tied to a little stake in the ground and they'd be tied with a with a rope but but it's you know uh, proportionate to the baby elephant just to keep it you know where it needed to be for the groundskeepers or whatever Mm -hmm. and as the elephant grew they never changed the stake in the ground so this would be like a little tiny twig in the ground for a massive five-ton mm-hmm. elephant. Mm-hmm. But it never changed the stake in the ground because it just knew that that's what keeps it still. That's what keeps it stuck. Mm-hmm. 
beliefs are like that. It's like you, you just sort of, you go, oh, damn, I, I didn't realize I was carrying that around all this time. Or, you know, oh, damn, I, I should have just taken that splinter out of my hand a while ago. I've just been thinking it's part of me. Yeah. You won't be able to see, you won't be able to see this mission of yours. You just won't with this belief system that this fear is yours to carry around. Mm -hmm. And your deeper fear and I, I'd be curious to know what it sounds like for you, but it feels like the deeper fear in you is that without it, without this, this um, kind of unconditional loving of your dad and his fear and his and his ways and this culture that you were raised in, being the culture of your parents and your grandparents around, be powerful, be respected, be a leader. Otherwise, like, you know, I mean, I would be curious to know how they finish that sentence in their head. Like, what did that, what do you know? Like, what's on the other side of that? Otherwise, what will happen to you? I think the, it was a fear around being ostracized from the community. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't belong. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, you don't belong. Yes. Wow. So no wonder you're like working like a bat out of hell. Like you are working your ass off, right? You, you haven't stopped. Have you? No, I know I'm a really hard worker. <laughs> yeah. And it's a strong suit. It's you yeah. like, it's not going anywhere. It's what has you be so damn hireable. Like people love, get him on your team. Like this is the guy and you'll do it. Won't you? Yeah, no, I will. Meanwhile, your, your spirit is just like, napping going just wake me up when you feel like you're done with this stuff and we'll hang out we'll play mm -hmm. yeah. but this there's something that's uh, like a hot poker that's poking you into this and it it has a bit of a should on it like i should mm -hmm. i want to like I, I want to mm. i just don't know how to right now right yeah just loose, loosening the grips yeah. Well, if you were to name it, what's the thing that it's time for you? Like if you were just to, to finish the sentence, it's time for me to set down what, what would it be? Well, time for me to set down the, uh, the bullshit expectations. Okay. I love it. Let, let's stay there. So it's time for you to set down the bullshit expectations. And it's time for you to pick up what? Authentic and reality in which I want to live. Mm. Okay. The into the so it's time for you to pick up the reality. So it sounds like it's time for you to pick up the there's a tool. Oh, there's a tool um, for you to create the reality in which you want to live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what would that tool look like if you were to get a, a mad, like a mad, have your imagination be at play here? Uh, well, I think the tool is my work. Like the tool is, is culture. The tool is coaching, leadership, development of, um, of a business. Oh, well, I get team. why you're good at that. 
I get why you're good at that. Except here's the thing, you'll mm-hmm. do it and it'll you'll still be hot pokered by some thing that says that you're not powerful enough, you're not respected enough, you're not mm-hmm. enough of a leader. Mhm. Mhm. Like this and <laughs> I like I would want you I want you to, out there in the world being this amazing coach and developer of people and developer of culture. You are the one to do it. There's no question. And there is like it feels like a splinter. Like it feels like 3%. Like it's something small that's in you that's hooking you. It's like got it's got a hook in you. And it is around expectations. That's a really good word. That's a really good word for you. Mm -hmm. But there's like a balance sheet that's still nearby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, totally. And and I think that's, that's what the danger feels is that it's like, I know my work can be that is what I want to do. Like, I want to work. I love work. I love being with people, supporting, building. But then it's like this like LinkedIn crap hook that... (sighs) gets it's just like this constant reminder of comparison Mm. and yeah comparison and judgment and ego that just is so so tender can be so hurt and so can be so vain and yeah that uh that shows up comparison comparison judgment and you said a third thing um I think you just said ego. Oh, vain. No, well, vain. Like oh, vain. vain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, you asked, you said, I want to know what my internal motivation is. I want to know like external, you're at this junction of external reward versus internal fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Is that what it feels yeah. like to you? Yeah, totally. So external reward and internal fulfillment. Or you could even flip it, right? External fulfillment and internal reward. You can you could flip it. I, I mean, I, here's the thing. How about both? How about mm-hmm. both and? Both external reward and internal fulfillment. Both and. That's mm-hmm. not actually a junction. Guess what? It's actually not a junction. It's one road. That'd be fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so create that in your mind. That that's one one destination, one, not destination, pardon, one path mm-hmm. that has external reward and internal fulfillment or external fulfillment, internal reward, both. And, okay. And you said, um, I want to know, like, how do I tap into this internal motivation? Now, here's the thing. When, as soon as you said that, I knew that you don't have a big enough mission. Mm-hmm. If you're not motivated by something, it's because you don't have a big enough or potent enough or scary enough mission to take on. Mm-hmm. You've been coasting. Doesn't feel like it, but I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it probably doesn't look like it to the outside world because this guy works his butt off people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you've been coasting. Mm-hmm. You're already good at what you're good at. That's what I, at the very beginning of the call, I said, let, like, let's not jam about the things that are awesome about you. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the things that suck about you. Yeah. You know, so what's awesome about you is you work hard and you work long hours and you get things done and you are a huge, high, high integrity. 
and you're kind and you are, you are powerful, you're resourceful, all those things. Yet you're coasting because your spirit is just lying, slumbering in the corner, waiting for you to wake up. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, notice me. And so there's something, okay. But what's awesome is that everything you shared about your dad's journey, his loss of his leg, the shame, the embarrassment, the, the church service, the community service, like everything that you shared, I heard every word of it. And I love every little bit of it, every huge bit of it. And it all belongs. It all belongs. If you want to belong, all of that must belong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, This whole theme, I mean, listen, you and I could talk for three hours because this whole theme about amputation and loss of a limb, like there's really interesting spiritual and energetic themes going on here, which I really get your uh, curiosity for and which, uh, which is just amazing. But if you are spiritually curious, get really spiritually curious about the comparison, judgment, ego, and vanity that's out there in the world. Get on a mission to solve that, my friend. Yeah. That's what it's time for. Okay. Like, does that get you going a little bit? Uh, well, I know. I can just right away I'd see areas where it's totally unexamined. Not totally examined. unexamined. Like I've, I've gone with a light brush, but haven't gone in deep. Yeah. Now, the the tool I want to offer you, mm-hmm. I heard it from my my dear friend Ryan years and years ago. He had this big awareness where he said, "Oh, I get the thing that I need is the sword of discernment." So, if you were to reach into a, a sleeve and pull out like a big samurai sword of discernment, that's the tool you need, Matt. And it goes like this: not mine mine to take on, not mine, his fear, not my fear. Like this comparison, judgment, ego, and vanity, use the sword of discernment to see what's the source of it. And how can you go solve that problem? Mm -hmm. Use the sword of discernment so that you don't accidentally take this on as you. It's not you. Mm -hmm. The more that you can have this, this sort of, um, space between you and other people's fear or even the collective fear or the fear of the world or the fear of our planet like all of that the more you can have space between your heart and that fear the more you'll be able you'll be able to navigate clearly what it's time for Mm -hmm. what is coming up for you is what's uh what's an insight you're experiencing yeah i like i am thinking i'm just sitting in this i need to create space around or i want to create space around my my heart and what is me and mm. and creating space for what is my responsibility and what what is not my responsibility because i think there, there's times when I take things on and put pressure on myself and and it's just like it's just not my thing to to take to take on and, and learn to be okay with that and learning to know where my limits are mm. well i I actually think you're limitless I actually don't think that limit limitations is the place for you to focus um 
I don't know if I don't I don't think your spirit likes that. <laughs> your spirit's like, no, I got, we got places to go. But I do think that it's time for you to um, give some space between, yeah, like other people, expectations, whatever's going on with other people in terms of comparison, judgment, ego, vanity, all that. Put some space there, but then deeply take responsibility. That's the only thing you have to take responsibility for is your mission, your calling, your purpose. That's the, that's actually the only way that you'll feel powerful. Mm -hmm. That's the true power that you're looking for is when you get that it's the source sourced by you for you, Mm -hmm. for the world. Other, otherwise it's the outside in but you got to get that inside out experience. How do I how do I focus in on my my mission? How do I Yeah. <laughs> like how do I Good. make like I do, I don't know how to like I've done some work around purpose and and understanding my purpose and and I don't know how to translate that into just like everyday mission and 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 my work. Okay, so here's here's how it goes. I believe that you're, by speaking with you, your, I'm just um, reflecting, your purpose is, of course, to serve people. And your purpose is to serve people by being calm. Like there's, an, uh, there's a way of calm, um, belonging, love. There's all these themes of... Um, choice, like choosing, of embracing, of unconditional love. There it is. It's unconditional love. You are, you are, you seem to me as the most unconditional loving person I think I've met in a while. Unconditional love. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I, I yeah, yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I accept <laughs> people like for who they are and how they are. <laughs> yeah. So if you are unconditional love, how like how, how, like, that's the thing. That's the how, yeah. how do you want to put that into action every day? That's the, that's just the question. I know that's a huge question, but that's all you have to return to is unconditional love. Now, unconditional love does not say swallow it, you know, like claim it as your own. It, it doesn't say, Oh God, all these expectations on me. That is not unconditional love. Mm -hmm. like as soon as you appreciate that your purpose is unconditional love you'll know what to do with those bullshit expectations you'll know what to do mm -hmm. so the mission though the mission comes from pain the mission comes from solving a problem that the world needs solving so you go at if you do this if you make two circles you've probably seen this many times before circles that intersect one circle is the thing that you love to do you love to coach and guide people. You love to lead people. You love to create culture, the thing you love to do. And then what does the world need? And yes, there's something that that's also in there from a vibration perspective around helping people to feel like they belong and how, and helping people feel love. So there's something in there. And so that mission piece is the overlap. The world needs to need it. You can't impose it on the mm -hmm. world. The world needs to need it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this, I think it's time for you to do it one person at a time. 
What makes you say that? Feel like you take on the whole company. Yeah. Your whole family, your whole culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I get swallowed in it. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And then, then you're owned. Yeah. You are owned, Matt. You don't own, you, you are owned. Mm-hmm. That has, has you feel really trapped. Yeah. So one person at a time will solve that. Mm -hmm. Go and see where, uh, with the people that you work with, like where is it that you're feeling unconditional love, belonging, that's that sense of purpose where you're working with them and they're asking you to help them and you're helping them, right? Is there's that real exchange, that real flow. Mm -hmm. And then just be really awake to what's happening there. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. Be really present with just, and also, oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> also, be aware when your father's voice starts to chime in. Mm. And you can mm. have a conversation with him in your mind and say, Dear dad, I love you so very much. You can have a seat now. Everything's okay. I mm-hmm. love you. I've got this. Mm hmm. that is helpful he's gonna you know what that guy needs to rest man he's like (laughs) dumb you dad you nailed it like look at us we're all amazing no one's in jail yeah i totally made an assumption there but (laughs) the other five yeah all in jail (laughs) (laughs) no but no but no no i think you i think you have a, a solid understanding it's like he just needs to take a rest. It's, uh, really and is. you need to take a rest taking it on. Yeah. He actually really never asked you to take on his fear. He just wanted you to be safe, but you kept engaging. So he kept working. Yeah. What do you feel like it's time to do with your dad now? Oh, I think it's time to accept him no no okay what is the time to do with him oh probably create space with for like ask some questions about his Mm. his family experience and so i can create space for for empathy it also might be time for you guys to go for a walk in the woods together or go to a zoo. I don't know. Like there's something, something to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like something that might remind him. And I don't mean to do this like manipulative, like maybe mm-hmm. ask him, like, what do you want to do, dad? Let's go do something. Like I, I'm sort of picturing you putting your feet up and having a beer with him somewhere in, in the, like in, in the mountains or something. Like there's just something for you guys to do together that has him like take a deep breath and go, wow, look at the sun I raised, you know, like have mm-hmm. a, a moment of appreciation, gratitude, mm-hmm. but, but doing something with him mm-hmm. is he's able to walk. Yeah. He says yeah. he got to, yeah. 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 So go. yeah, go, go somewhere that he, that makes him so happy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would love to hear how that goes. Yeah, no, totally. That's going uh, to be healthy for us. Yeah. 
it would be such a gift for him. He kind of just wants to know, like, you're, you're set. You're all good. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be able to be this beautiful dad who's loving his child in his own way, who aligns with spirit more than places expectations. And you won't be doing it out of spite. You'll be doing it out of growth, out of wisdom. Mm-hmm. I really like, I really appreciate your boy, a kid. Oof, that's a lucky kid. Your earnestness and your curiosity and your willingness to you know, see it, see it from all angles. And, you know, your ability to take personal responsibility is powerful. You just have to watch when you take over responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that feel like it's giving you some little space? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The over responsibility and, and understanding where fear has come from for, for my dad and, and why. I think that's been totally missing on from the perspective that I've had up until now. But uh, it's just been this is frustrating as because this is what it is. But I think if I show up with more curiosity and and be with him and not take on the experience, that there's space there for me to develop my own sense of spirit and 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 you're I think you're right. Like focus on creating the the culture the spirit of culture that, that I want in, in my family and rather than the expectations. Yeah. A way to convert expectations is uh, by using the word alignment. So mm. to align versus um, being in expectations. So how mm-hmm. can you align? And when mm-hmm. you are thinking about alignment, it just brings up a new conversation. Mm-hmm. I want to align with you, dad. You know, or I want to like even have it with, with yourself. I want to align with my deep passion for helping people and serving people and the job I've been hired to do. How do I align those two things? How do I line them up while staying in integrity and yeah, like mm-hmm. all the things that are important to you Yeah. with you, there's very little to change. It's just more there's actually an unlearning and a releasing. That's all that needs to happen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, you're telling me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the only way that that happens is by practice and awareness. That's it. Yeah. 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 The unlearning. And and I think I've been very focused on the unlearning. And I think, I think what I'm getting from this conversation now is that uh, I think there's some release with it too. Yeah. You don't have to carry it. Yeah. Stop carrying it. Yeah. And when you stop carrying stuff, it, it kind of opens you up literally. Like I, I sort of, I actually just found myself relaxing my shoulders and opening my chest. I, I just, I felt this feeling of open chested, open hearted, like um, the front side of you is available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You might, you might find that, people are drawn to you and you might find that you're being drawn to other people, you know? Yeah. It's very gracious, this space. It's got a lot of 
grace here. It's a lot of tender giving, receiving, ebb and flow. Not quite such hard lines, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, the, the graciousness, I, I appreciate you saying that with um, doing it one person at a time. Because I think one person at a time. Yeah, I think for so long I had um, because I was working in larger group settings that the expectation was that I could only go one to many, and yeah. and unless it was I could go one to many with like light touches. But now I feel like the my opportunity is to go one to many and or one to few and and just start start in a deeper way. If you were to choose a word that finished this sentence. I have the power to be what? What's the word you'd put there? Oh, I have the power to be great. Ah. Uh, and in, in my mind, it's that? like the it's it's like the the mother trees are great. Mm. The the selflessness, the the acting of yeah, just unconditional love, the the giving of self, the giving of spirit. Mm. It's real flow there. It's a, a beautiful ease. Mm-hmm. Mother Teresa never hustled. No. Not a day of her life. She just heard the calling. <laughs> I like that. She, mm-hmm. she also didn't use LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, here's the thing, Matt. Do it differently. Yeah. Do it. Just do it differently. You get to. Yeah. We're in the time of the, the great shakedown. We're in the time of the great shakedown. So if we're going to be shaken down, let's create and reinvent. Trust me, you're not the only one who's yeah. craving mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. So lead the way, my friend. Lead the way in, in, from your greatness, Yeah. from your power to be great. And this is power to be, not do great, but to be great. Yeah. Yeah, that feels incredibly clear and aligned. Yee. Yeah, there now you've got that ring. There's a ring. Yeah. <laughs> it's got that, yeah, like it's going, it's flowing. Get out of the way. Here comes Matt. No, yeah. and, and in beautifully, like a beautiful, not a overpowering way, but a like a marching band, you know, playing a really fun tune. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and, I don't, and me, it feels it just feels quiet and gentle, and it shows up through service. And, Lovely, yeah, and commitment. A, a big word for you too is harmony. Mm. When you said it, it just you said it with such love and respect and um, and grace that it it just felt like it fit. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's how you get your true power is through harmony. Mm-hmm. Some high, some low, some tenor, some soprano. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, oh, you're right. It is when all the pieces play together, and mm-hmm. and 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 I think what I've what I've just I've learned over the last couple of years is that by not acknowledging myself that the the band can't play in harmony if yeah if the conductor yeah if the conductor isn't getting any love and he's just wailing on the instruments. <laughs> <laughs> I am the best trombone player ever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, I love that you see the sweetness and the sort of gentleness of it. And mm-hmm. I think here's what I would love for you to do. If mm-hmm. you would just for me, yeah. it would be so lovely. 
is I'd love for you to pick a song that would restore this feeling in you. Mm. And it feels to me like it's got an element of classical music or um, there's, well, I can't help it. I just feel like it's classical. I think there's something that's got rich textures and lots of different um, sounds, tones, vibrations that are mm -hmm. all coming together that makes art. Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to I'd love for you to pick a song and that would tune you to this frequency that uh, has you have the power to be great and to restore harmony in the world. The um, it takes like I don't know the song that that shows up and and I think when I felt in my most authentic self was um. Yeah, a number of years ago, I was in. I was doing a. I was like a fourth year course for in college. I went to Ethiopia. And we were doing humanitarian work there and traveling along in the back of this like a uh, land cruiser through the the uh, the mountains and stuff. And then, of course, Toto came on the broken radio. But uh, that just no, yeah, right. I was like, it's just it. it was just magic. <laughs> and like that, the when you say the frequency of of purpose, that and, song Africa. Yeah, yeah. By Toto? Yeah. That's your song. Yeah. That feels real to me. I, if I could sing, I would start singing. Yeah. I've got the beat in my... Yes. Okay. So as soon as you hang up this from this... I sort of forgot we were doing a podcast. I'm all excited. We're having this awesome conversation. But that, that as soon as you hang up, please, will you play that song? I absolutely will. Yeah. I am too. And I'm going to yeah. like take my shoes off and I'm going to do my best you know, shake my booty dance. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. Thank you so much for taking this time and, and for, yeah, for navigating this. And I, I really feel so privileged to have heard your story. Yeah. Thank you, Erin. Uh, this has been beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it really was. Un uncharted was territory. <laughs> That's it, baby. It's what it's all about going into the unknown. Well, I appreciate it. And I'd love to follow up with you. So you'll be hearing from me. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. We'll talk soon. Okay, talk to you later. Hey, bye. Okay, bye, bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Power to Be podcast. To my guests, you need to know, wow, it takes something to dig deep and push past resistance and let what's in the way drop. And you did this publicly. You're my hero. And to my listeners, thank you for holding big space for them and for yourself. I sincerely hope an insight was available to you. I'm committed to delivering real deal, fearless coaching to bring you a fresh perspective and to tear down barriers and limiting beliefs and provide the support, energy, and love that will make all the difference in your life. I'm here for you. Let's connect. Visit livebigco.com to learn more. I can't wait to find out what you have the power to be.